Welcome to Transforming Experiences and Customer Success, formerly Strike Deck Radio. This is a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Medallia and the Success League. Medallia's customer success automation platform helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Success League is a consulting and training firm focused on developing customer success programs that drive revenue. My name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Transforming Experiences and Customer Success and the founder and CEO of the Success League. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Bob London, the founder and CEO of Chief Listening Officers. We'll be discussing ways to tear down the wall between customers and vendors by spurring thought-provoking conversations. And I'm really excited about this topic today. So thanks for joining me, Bob. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Really appreciate the opportunity to uh, share a little knowledge. And can you tell us, for starters, how you landed in your current role and how you see the work that you do at Chief Listening Officers relating to customer success? Yes. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting or maybe even an odd story, but maybe everyone thinks their story is unique. Everybody so, has a weird story. coming. Every, so when I, was a, when I was a child, no, I won't start back that far. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm actually, my entire career has been as a marketing strategist. Okay. Um, uh, started in B2C actually and, and moved into B2B and started working with growth stage companies. And, um, you know, uh, I ended up really falling in love with consulting. And uh-huh. uh, so for the last many 15 years plus, I've yeah. been in, uh, had this boutique consulting practice where I was an outsourced chief marketing officer for B2B tech companies. And along the way, I noticed that probably the biggest issue that my clients had was this sort of fundamental, they thought they were ready to, in some cases, kind of shoot the lock off of their wallet and start spending money on marketing. But they didn't seem to have a grasp on really an intimate understanding of their customer's perspective in a number of areas. And so um, I finally got, as I often do, I've kind of pushed back and say, well, why are we, my, my advice is let's not move ahead with spending money on marketing until we have that better understanding, why don't I go out and do a sort of effectively a listening tour of your customers and former customers in some cases. And uh, that, that turned out to be a very seminal moment for me or turning point and for my clients, because they were able to um, get insight that we were able to get insights that, that we were able to translate into much more effective strategies, particularly messaging value prop, Mm-hmm. differentiators and also of course product roadmap you know in, enhancements and things like that customer experience and so i started doing that for every client and it really helped me it helped my clients which in turn helped me and it helped position me as a, sort of a more unique service provider rather than just a marketing generalist and so all the numbers and metrics started going in a in a great direction not started but they, they improved so yeah, that's why great. am I? Yeah. So why am I explaining that? Because um, after interviewing, I would say hundreds of my clients, customers, I started right. to develop a perspective on, hey, when I ask these questions, which are kind of non-traditional, 
unique questions, not your typical what keeps you up at night. I really get my my clients, customers to really open up. And um, and then I, you know, I'm able to because I'm independent, I'm able to sit back and kind of put myself on mute, if you will, and just listen and let the customer go where they want to go. And that whole approach. um, So which was sort of the how behind what I was doing for my clients became a thing. And someone uh, very senior in the customer success world, a guy named Jay Nathan, said, um, I think you should be talking to customer success teams about this. And I ignored it and avoided it for a while. (laughs) And finally, uh, I did start to present my approach, um, which we can talk obviously more about. uh, and, And it really, the customer success world, I have to say, I, it, I, I've kind of fallen in love with it. It's almost like this infatuation, unlike, and marketers will know what I mean, that marketing is a little bit of a self-promoting, chest-thumping group. Um, Customer success is this generous, warm, welcoming community that says, how can I help you advance your goals? And it's been less than a year, and I'm just really smitten by customer success. And and I also really respect the, the job that they do to deal with the truth not they can't deal with wishful mm-hmm. thinking like some marketers do um mm-hmm. and they deal with the truth so that's and so i've been presenting teaching customer success teams and speaking and doing those kinds of things uh for a while and it's just uh, that's how i ended up talking to customer success and now i'm up to 2400 customer discovery conversations in my seven-year career of doing this yeah i think that's amazing i um i've done customer uh, discovery tours and it's always interesting because you learn so much and today we're going to talk about how to create engagement by getting customers to open up so you position this to your own customers in terms of a listening tour um, tell me a little bit more about that format and why you think it's so important to do that kind of listening tour in a broad sense before you go deep on what those customers should do yeah, great. That's a great question. So the listening tour, I mean, unfortunately, it has a little bit of a negative connotation here in the Washington, D.C. area. It's politicians will say, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm on I'm announcing my campaign for senator and I'm doing a listening tour of my constituents. And then it becomes, of course, they're not listening. They're really just blowing hot air. So right. but having said that, <clears throat> the spirit of the listening tour is to to have a concerted initiative in a company where uh, you know one senior person or a few senior people go out and and they ask you know sort of really un unbiased open-ended questions uh, of some of the decision makers that they work with customers mm-hmm. and sometimes former customers and prospects um, and to to understand and that the intent is not to solve a problem or sell anything it's to learn. What are you trying to learn? Right. You're trying to learn what the world looks like from the customer's side of the wall. And I right. do refer to this vendor customer wall because I believe that that vendors have created that wall. And we can talk more about that, but just sort of the, the talking past customers and not being responsive and things like that. So the listening tour is one way to think about an initiative. However, when I started talking to customer success teams about this, they said, many of them said, well, we're, we're we do this every day. We're not going to, we're not going to do a listening tour. We, we need, we talk to our customers for 
hours and hours a week. And we need to have a better way to get them to open up. So can we just use two or three of these magical Bob London questions? Uh, and and I, I started to realize, yeah, I mean, I had a very narrow definition of how to do this, but they opened my eyes to, yeah, when you have, an, when you have a discovery call, when you have an onboarding call, when you have a QBR, there are opportunities to insert one, two, three of these questions at a time and get fantastic results um, yeah. very quick, very, very quickly, actually. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to go a little deeper. So, you know, as we first started discussing your approach, you shared a slide with me, which I loved. And I think you're going to do a webinar soon with Strike Deck on this topic. But um, it was a five-step approach to creating that authentic discovery conversation that you have with people when you're doing that listening tour. So can you talk us through those five steps? Absolutely. So the first step is they're, they're tips, really, guidance. Okay. Start with the customer's company's challenges and priorities. So I think one thing we do, we tend to do, uh, collectively, is we tend to jump in and say, what do you think about us? What do you think about our product? How are the metrics and all that? And I ah, think- Yes, we do that. <laughs> we all do that. And it's and, frustrating yeah, and, not, and not the right approach. Yeah. Well, in my experience, I don't like yeah. to say right or wrong, but yes, in my yeah. experience, um, partly because I just have a natural curiosity and I'm, mm -hmm. that's kind of a very valuable thing for me is if I get on the phone with a CFO yeah. of an investment bank, because they're one of my client's customers, I will, I want to ask them about their business. I want to learn about right. it. So I started asking about, Hey, what does your company need to get better at in the next year or two? Or what it's, what's the hot topic in the board meeting right now? And I held my breath a little bit because I thought, well, they may say, well, it's none of your business or they, I don't have right. time for this or don't you want to ask me about your product? But I have to say, it's just been so overwhelmingly, um, I guess, positive in terms of people really do have great answers to these things. And right. um, so, so, you're, so you're doing, by starting with the company's challenges and priorities, yeah. you're doing two things. You're getting a global perspective and you're understanding, oh, so this topic is really important. They're devoting budget to it and mm -hmm. we can position our product accordingly, number one. And number two, you're also telegraphing to the person you're talking to that you're not in it just to tell them about your product updates or ask about right. product feedback. You're kind of disarming them in a way. And I've had some people at the beginning say, well, you're asking, Bob, you're asking about the board meeting. You mean the board meeting related to our marketing automation system? And I'll say, no, 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 no. I want you to just clear out, just forget who I'm working for, why I'm calling. Just I just want to know. in general. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, By the way, the odds, of, the odds of marketing automation coming up in a board meeting are not um, that high anyway um, in, in a bigger company. So you're, you're disarming them. You're, you're letting right. them know that you're really authentically curious about what's going on in their right. world. So that's the first, that's on number one. The second, and the, probably the most important piece is to ask bold, disruptive questions that are open-ended. Yeah. And you'll hear some examples, you know, we'll get a chance to talk about some examples, but the board meeting one's a good example because no one's expecting to be asked that. And that's good because then people have to think about an answer. You're getting a thoughtful answer versus a cliche answer. Right. And the disrupt, and it's, so when I say disruptive, 
it's disruptive in the sense that you're disrupting the customer's thought patterns. You're 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 right. triggering something in them that they go, oh, they engage in the conversation more than they would if you said, what keeps you up at night? Just to pick on one I mean, cliche question. Yeah, I mean, I hate that question because it sort of doesn't imply any kind of intelligence about the customer. And I think a much better question is, hey, you know, I was looking at your website and I saw that your CEO put out a press release recently that, you know, you guys are considering moving into this new segment. How do you think that will impact, you know, the the way you're doing business today? I mean, like that's so Absolutely. much more interesting than, you know, a question about what keeps you up at night, you know, a thousand like, percent, a thousand yeah. percent. It's topical. It, it shows that you've done research, although it does two take two minutes to go on a customer's website and figure that out and look at their press release. And, you know, and yet it, reaps such benefits in terms of the relationship and your knowledge of your customer. Uh, absolutely. And it, it shows an authentic level of curiosity, you know, yeah. that you're not, you're not just going down a list of questions. You're actually doing yeah. some homework. And I think people really respect and appreciate that. Well, and to your point, I think what customer success is, transitioning through right now is this is not a check the box job right it may have been at first and it is no longer that this is a consultative creative strategic role and so if you got into customer success because you just wanted to check the boxes and be a helpful person to customers you need to move into support because customer success is not that anymore and I mean, that's kind of the way that this business has transitioned. Couldn't couldn't agree with you more. In fact, I think later we're going to talk about biggest trend in customer success. Yeah. So I <laughs> think that was, I'll have to think of a different one. Oh, no. Said, did no, I I'm like, kidding. did I mess up your answer to that one? Not at all. <laughs> Shoot, but I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and that that's partly why I think my timing has been good because, yeah. you know, to go from the checklist approach to a conversational approach is um, yeah. it takes a little bit of effort and a little bit of, uh, you know, coaching I'll say. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. Okay. So I feel like I interrupted your five steps. I think I, I derailed us at like step two. So what are steps three, four, and five? Uh, no worries. I'll try and go through them quickly. Okay. Number three <laughs> is uh, ask questions you don't know the answer to, not okay. cliche. Now, what yes. What I find, and this goes for sales too, is we ask questions that we 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 there's an, there are answers that we want to get, right? And this is the opposite. This is exploratory. It's discovery. It it, it literally it's like there's no map. Right. So if you want to know what's going on with them, you have to ask questions that you're you don't know the answer to at all, which is okay because I'm going to talk about this later, but because you don't have to solve anything, you're only there to listen and learn. Right. Number four is okay. go where, go where they take you. So again, yes. no solving, no selling, no check boxes, no check boxes. And, right. um, you know, I, I have this, this expression that I use, which is, in these conversations, there should be no such thing as a tangent, because if the customer is talking about something, you have to assume that it's important to them. And right. we are not in this conversation to choreograph it quickly back to 
get them on point or on message with what you want to hear. It's not that call. So go where they take you. And then the last one is similar to what uh, you just mentioned. It. It's make it a dialogue, which is right. not a survey. So right. you can do that by asking just, you know, just ask questions back. You know, how did that work? Why did, what does that mean? How did you, how did you do that? And that creates a sense that you are uh, a, a contributor to the conversation, not just a surveyor. So those are the five kind of tips. Yeah, I actually, I, so um, Bill Couchard, who's another podcaster in our space, and I were talking about this recently. And there's a tool called the Business Model Canvas that's been on the market for a long time. Strategizer is the company that puts that out there. It's a you know, great company. Um, business schools all around the U.S. use this. Um, but I, I think that's a great basis for figuring out what you do and don't understand about a company. So if you're a CSM and you go online, you can you can Google this. It's out there. It's everywhere. It's called the Business Model Canvas. Yep. You go out, you look at that, and that tool can help you understand <laughs> what you do and don't know about your customer. So if you just download that, you fill in what you know, you can figure out what you don't know. It gives you a lot of interesting spaces to ask questions about a customer, their value prop, their costs, their revenue centers, and all sorts of details about their company. And once you start to learn that, you start to learn, I think, where you can and can't offer value to them. Totally, and totally love it, that. It sets you up for asking really interesting, creative questions, which is, I think, where you're going with this, Bob. It's like, ask ask interesting questions that are about the customer, not about how the customer wants to use your product. Exactly. In fact, I might have to steal this, this okay, line of well, yours. You can, the, you can steal it. The way you said it is, <laughs> I, I sometimes like the way you said it better than the way I said it. But no, and I'm I'm a big fan of the business model canvas. My only yeah. my only uh, uh, gripe is I see too many companies filling it out without ever leaving the conference room. In other words, they they think the answers are all inside the walls of the company. No, they're not. And as they're, Steve they're Blank, in the mind the of the customer. Yeah, exactly. And you have to not literally with COVID, not necessarily get out of the room, but you you just have to. Uh, I always, I'm always uh, telling my clients, you know, guys, we've been talking about this for an hour or, you know, two hours over three meetings. The answer is not in this room. It's just not. Right. And uh, sometimes they, they say, yeah, yeah, you're right. And sometimes they say, yeah, but I think I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, I mean, like we all, we all got into customer success to help our customers. So I don't think it comes from like a malicious place, but. No, it no, comes... no. I'm I'm referring, sorry, I'm referring yeah. to my marketing strategy practice. Oh, oh, those guys. They're no. filling it out and they're <laughs> and, and and they're saying, well, we over the weekend we filled out four different business model canvases for four different <laughs> ideas. And I'm like, great. Well, how how did you get your assumptions? And it's like, well, you know, we we we've done our research. And it's like, well, what does that mean? It's like, well, we talked to I talked to my cousin who's a builder or oh. whatever, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Oh. Oh, it's the marketing people. Well, they might be malicious. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, they're not malicious. Nobody is malicious. <laughs> I mean, most people aren't. Um, so I want to I want to go back to something that you and I talked about when we first were prepping for this interview, 
And you had some slides, and I think you're going to be sharing the slides as you go into your webinar with um, Strike Deck in the next few weeks. But I love the visual that you shared with me that shows some of the questions that you recommend people asking. And I, as I was looking that, at that, I was like, oh, gosh, it's like a reverse Maslow's hierarchy of need. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of start with the really high level, broad questions, and then you kind of work down to the details and the basics. Can you share a few of your favorite questions that you like to ask and why you think they're effective? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. Um, so the visual that you're referring to is an inverted pyramid. Yeah, and, it's cool. And, it, and the intention of that is to tell people, we're, we're going to start broad. We're going to yeah. start high level, broad questions. So before I do the questions themselves, I'll, I'll give you a couple juicy samples. Okay. But the, um, there are three, uh, three tiers of questions. The first leadoff tier as I alluded to before, is about their business. Right. Um, so the board board question, you know, what's the biggest priority or challenge your board is discussing right now? The next tier that you go to is about their world. So whoever the person is you're talking to, some kind of decision maker or user, you want to learn as much about them as you can and their priorities and challenges. And I'll talk about that. And then the last part, then you've kind of earned permission to say, well, let me ask you about some things about us. And how do you feel about our product? How do you feel about our company? Yeah. So that's why the inverted pyramid. So um, so I, I'll give you a couple examples uh, from each. I'll try and give you at least one example from each tier. So okay. about, about their business. I already told you about the board question, but there's um, another one that's kind of a, it's, it kind of crosses over into about them and their job. But the question is, so listen, and I, and, and I ask these in a, just like this, in a very conversational way. Sometimes right. it almost sounds like I'm making it up on the spot. So right. let me ask you this. Um, I know most people's job descriptions are like two pages long, single spaced. You know, it's just full of stuff. But the reality is there's one thing that your company is absolutely counting on you to get done, you know, in the near term. What is that one thing? And what that does is, and it's true, by the way. Um, if you're good at your job, you're good at sussing out what are the things that, quite honestly, to put it crassly, there's some things, if I don't get them done, it's not going to go well for me here. The right. other things are things I could probably, you know, deprioritize. Right. So what it does is it gets them to think about the one thing that the company needs them to do. And right. that's that can helps connect what is that sort of big board level priority with their job. Um, oftentimes that's the equation that we can kind of fill out based on answering that question. And you'll notice that all of my questions have some kind of hook or trigger. And this, this one has, so the job description is a visual, right? It's a tangible thing right. that people can relate to. And I ask, what's the one thing your company is counting on you? Because I don't want to, I don't want to dilute the impact of the question by saying, what are the things your company is counting? Cause then they start to think, okay, I have to make a list in my mind. I want them to just pop out with that one thing. And based on the speed with which people answer after they kind of go, huh, that's interesting. They, they definitely know what it is. They definitely have yeah, an eye on they that. They do. Yeah. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah. Do do a couple more? Cause I, yeah. I feel like these practical examples are great for our audience. Oh, good. So the next tier of questions, um, and there are 15 overall, 15 questions. The next okay. tier is about them. 
there's a, a really good question that is, um, so let me ask you, and I don't mean literally that you have a whiteboard in your house or your office, but what absolutely is on your whiteboard that absolutely has to be off your whiteboard in 90 days, the next 90 days? And again, the using a sort of the hook of the whiteboard, which is could be hypothetical, and 90 days. And that question originated with when COVID started. I started asking the inverse. What's on your whiteboard now that wasn't there 90 days ago? And that <laughs> yeah. really at the beginning, you know, for the first half of COVID, it was unbelievable to hear how, you know, we all know things changed, but to hear right. the specific whiteboard items that had to be erased and started over was really interesting. Um, the next one, and I didn't invent this one, but I, it seems like it's one of the most popular ones that that I refer to. So I don't know. It's like anonymous, whoever, whoever sourced mm -hmm. this originally. So um, let me ask you, if I suppose I gave you a magic wand, what mm -hmm. problem would you make disappear first? And then sometimes I joke that now I can't, I can't make your personal problems disappear. Huh? But, <laughs> but what's interesting, this is such an icebreaker because. How many like, people say my spouse? <laughs> oh, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking of like the dog pooping on the carpet or something. Oh, yeah. well, I just went right. right there. Yeah, apparently. So I do love my husband. I'm just going to say that right now. Sure um, no, but, wonderful. but no, I, I feel like that's a really good, very direct question for people. Yes. So mm -hmm. the interesting part of it, uh, you know, using the magic wand as the hook mm -hmm. is, and one of my, one of my customer success uh, clients said this to me, they, she said, I think that question is so useful and, and so successful because it gives the customer permission to go outside the lines when they answer. Right. And I realized that she was absolutely right. Like, why do people open up so much? It's because you're telling them, you're signaling to them, hey, I'm going to give you, this question has a little bit of a spark to it. And I want that to spark something in you. And mm -hmm. I, I would say almost half the time when I ask that question, people give a little giggle, which is okay, because it's yeah. human. We're humans. And so it makes a connection. And so that, yeah. that has become a very popular favorite question. I love um, that. Well, Good. Thank you. So yeah. the, the last section is about, again, it's about you, meaning about your, your product or your company, your it's brand. It's more tactical. Yes. Um, so here's a, here's one that almost everyone flinches when they hear it, they kind of wince and they read it. So let me, let me just ask you this hypothetically, let's say tomorrow you got a call from our biggest competitor. Would you ignore that call, you know, delete the email, or would you immediately call them back and want to learn more? And I usually... I can, I can hear all of the audience gasping right now. Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about that. That's a scary question to ask. It is scary, but I think we have yeah. to push ourselves in that direction. We do. For, for the purposes of authenticity and transparency. Yes. So I usually ask it as a one through 10. So I'll say like, just give me a one through 10. A one is you would ignore completely. A 10 is you'd really quickly go back and want to learn more. And the amazing thing is people say, well, why would I want to ask about competition? And why do I want to know? Why would I bring up competitors and give them any oxygen? And right. the funny thing is, and I tell them, this question really doesn't have anything to do with competition. It's, it's about you. It's mm -hmm. about how they feel about your company or your product. 
And so the fascinating thing to me is I would, I, I admit that I would hold my breath the first few times I asked this question and just to see what people would say. And if they say 10, meaning I'd immediately call back to learn more, the beauty of having a conversation is you can say, you know what, I really appreciate you being so transparent. Can I ask why, why would you call them back so yeah. fast? What would you be, what are you missing that you want to learn? And they'd say, you know what? Um, it's not that we're looking, it's that literally in my job description, it says that we have to keep up to date on best practices and what, you know, alternatives. And we know that every so often we're going to be asked to justify this particular purchase or this particular vendor relationship. So it's part of my job to just know what's out there, but, well, but, yeah. but, I'm not, but we're not leaving, you know, that's what they'll say. And here's the other thing about that question. It's scary to ask, and you might oh, yeah. get an answer that you don't want to hear, but wouldn't you rather know that six Absolutely. months ahead of time than to have that blindside you at the 11th hour when you have no way to fix it? I Absolutely. mean, like, don't, don't kind of blind yourself to the stuff that's actually going on in your customer base by being unwilling to ask these tough questions because like it's happening whether you know about it or not, you know? So your two choices are, you know about it or you don't know about it. You, you sound, one of my favorite people always says, she repeats it all the time. There's nothing worse than being ignorant about something that you could have known. Correct. And I, yeah. I just, I love that. She's a, a director of account management. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, and I think that the world is headed in this direction of transparency. If you think right. about, you know, 10, 20 years ago, the way companies treated employees, there was a bit of an arm's length, you know, the, they weren't very transparent. They didn't communicate necessarily that effectively internally. Now employees know a lot and they know everything and because mm -hmm. they can find it out elsewhere. And so the same thing is, I believe, is is happening. And this sneak spoiler alert: this was my trend. Uh, is <laughs> this is the trend I see happening also with uh, companies and their customers? Customers will find everything out eventually. You might as well ask and be on top of it and out yeah. front of it. Um, and just quickly, this competitor question: um, if they say, uh, "Oh, I'd ignore them. It's a one," you know, I, I wouldn't. And I, I, same thing. I won't take it for granted. I'll say, well, why? Why just say one? What's yeah. behind that? And they'll say, because sometimes they're saying that after they've really given some very severe constructive criticism. And I'll right. say, well, why a one? And they'll say, you know what? There are a couple things. So, so we are not fully thrilled with the product, mm -hmm. as I've said, but we also are implementing an entire new. ERP next quarter. We do not right. have time to be sniffing around, you know, to buy new software in yeah. this area. And so I'm, th that's why I would ignore it. But I would also say that uh, and sometimes what I hear is, you know what, the, the, it's never just about the product. Um, the product has its issues, but the team cares so much about um, addressing the issues or at least listening and making sure they understand the problems that it's very unlikely that we would leave. And that's the kind of stuff you hear all yeah. the time. So that's why that's one of my favorite questions. Yeah. Uh, I really like that one. Well, thanks. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Most companies have a voice of the customer program in place and are talking to customers on a regular basis. Are they really listening to them though? 
join our customer discovery expert, Bob London, who will deliver actionable tips for how to uncover your customers, what he calls elevator rant, what they're really saying when vendors aren't around. Bob has conducted over 2,300 conversations with his clients' customers and used the resulting insights to draft a compelling and strategic narrative that creates excitement and buy-in from employees, customers, and investors alike. Register now by clicking on the link provided in this podcast description. Also, the Success League's fall classes are in session, but that doesn't mean you can't join in on the discussions, learning, and collaboration. Our courses run year-round, so if you sign up now, you can start immediately and continue your learning into the new year. Please take a look at our website, thesuccessleague.io, for more information on our CS Leader Certification and our CSM Certification Program, and reach out to us with any questions. So, Bob, you have a lot of different discovery techniques that you use, and the one, the first one, I guess, there's a bunch of them, but the one that really resonated with me was start with a quiet mind. And on the surface, that seems very ethereal and kind of more <laughs> about you and less about the customer. How does that get customers to open up? Yeah, so um, it, it is about you as the as the CS leader or manager, because in order to get the most out of the conversation, um, look. We all have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, this emanated, this one emanated from, you know, I was on the speakerphone with one of my sons mm-hmm. and I was doing something else while he was talking. And it turned out I really should have been listening to him. And so I think this, what this means to me is simply 30 seconds of focusing on wanting to start this customer conversation in a, in a, and it doesn't have to be high energy, but in an authentically curious way right. that you really are interested in them and you're only going to focus on them. And so it really is just 30 seconds. It's not a full meditation or zoning out or hypnosis. Right. It's really just 30 seconds of doing nothing else other than thinking about the call and what you're going to accomplish. So it's very simple. You know, I do that before all of my calls. And what I do is I have... This is very paper intensive, but I have papers that go into my notebook. I take one page for each call and I write down a few questions that I want to make sure I ask. And I don't always ask those questions, but it gets me focused enough on that call that I am very in tune when the call is happening and it lets me keep that um, attention and intention as I go into that conversation. I love so, that idea. I love yeah. that. It's it's a practical approach that I've adopted because I tend to be all over the place. I think about a lot of stuff. I'm very busy. That helps me just kind of center on that call. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And as you and I were talking, another discovery approach that you use, you call keep it all about them. That one really resonated with me. Tell me more about that one. Yeah. So I think that we, uh, again, we've talked about this a few times already today, Mm -hmm. that our tendency is to want to get feedback and not, but here we have this unique opportunity to learn and explore and discover. So I I think that even if you began and ended the call and never got any feedback on the product, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's okay. As long as you learned about what it's like to be them in their job, in that company. So right. every time there's uh, 
you know, uh, every time there's uh, an opportunity in the conversation to, to sort of divert the topic to something about, hey, well, we do that or we can, you know, we, yeah, this and that, mm-hmm. or we just announced a new product, just try not to, you know, and yeah. I, I, I think I said this before, it's literally if you mute, mute yourself, you're, you're, you're probably going to do pretty well because uh, it really is a great the mute button is a really interesting tool when you use it that way because it yeah. prevents you from jumping in and interrupting. It does. It's also, and this is something we tell all of the people that go through our CSM certification program. It is not about you. If the customer could solve their problem with a magical unicorn, they would do that. Like, <laughs> they, like it, your product has nothing to do with this. It's all about what the customer is trying to do and the problems they're trying to solve. So right. if you can keep that in the front of your mind, that's going to help you do all of these things. Totally agree. Totally yeah. great point. Um, I know you have other approaches too, but there, I just wanted to zero in on this last one that I think is important to talk about. And it's called don't solve. Yeah. And I love that one. I love it because I see a lot of solving going on in our field without enough digging in to truly understand customer issues. And I think most of us in customers, it's not malicious. We got into this field to help customers. And so it's pretty natural to try to solve problems as soon as they surface. But why do you see that as problematic? You know, I think that it goes back to keeping it all about them, the customer. And I Mm -hmm. I think that... um, Anything, including changing the topic to, you know, oh, we can, we didn't know about that or defending why something was done that way. When you think about it, all that is, is a diversion from the intent of this conversation, which is to learn about mm-hmm. them. Now, some people, and, and by the way, this is absolutely the hardest part of <laughs> the changes that I'm kind of asking CS yeah. teams to make because they're so used. And I think I, I look at the the leader of the team to say, to give permission and say, Bob's right. I don't need you to solve anything on these calls. I need you to learn as much as you can. So now that this doesn't mean to ignore problems. Um, right. The way I approach this and the way I recommend CS teams approach this is when you hear an issue or an opportunity, but let's just mm-hmm. say an issue, you definitely make notes on it. And you, uh, what I recommend is towards the end of the conversation, you come back and you say, look, Obviously, you mentioned this issue. Um, there's obviously something that needs to be discussed there. Uh, number one, thank you for being transparent and, and candid. Um, if I understand you correctly, here's what I think you said the issue was. Mm-hmm. And yes. And if so, um, can we set up some time separately to get into that in detail? Because I want to make sure I understand the depths of the concern and the contours of the concern. I want to make sure I'm not missing And I want to bring in the right person to, to help think it through with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you do that before you leave the call and then you immediately follow up, of course. So you're not ignoring problems. You're just saying, don't interrupt to solve. No, and I think you have to dig down. I mean, one of the things we teach in a class that we have called Asking Great Questions is, you know, impact questions. So if you, you uncover a problem, start asking about how that problem is impacting their business. And, you know, part of the reason the customer has the problem is because they've chosen consciously or unconsciously not to change something. That's why they're in the situation they're in. And um, 
and part of that is because the solution seems more costly in terms of time or money or whatever than the the actual problem itself. And so the more you can ask questions about the problem and start to dig deeper into that and learn more about it, the you know, it's not just about you learning what the customer has to say about the problem that they've got. It's the customer verbalizing that so that they start to realize, oh gosh, this is actually bigger than I might have consciously thought about it. And it makes them more likely to decide that this is something they want to fix. I love that. That's so true. And, and you know, if I could just add one, yeah. just going back to the questions that I ask, and it's not on the, 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 the graphic I showed you, but at the very end of the call, I always say, um, so is there anything I didn't ask that I probably should have just because I didn't <laughs> yeah. know? And, and that's that's when sometimes they'll be thinking and they'll go, you know, just going back to the issue I brought up before, I just want to say, and they'll put it in more context. So that usually there's at least another five or 10 minutes of conversation after I ask that very last question. So yeah. I think you're right. I think it gives them a chance to think it through while they're saying it. And I think yeah. that's important. Honestly, the, the answers you get are half. And the other half is them thinking it through and realizing for themselves that they've got to fix this problem. And that. that gets them further down the road. Totally um, okay, so let's go to takeaways. So if a leader is out there and they're listening to this episode and they're thinking, this is awesome, but how do I go about setting up a listening tour or shifting my team's approach to discovery? What advice would you give them? Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll let me focus on the sh shifting the team's approach to discovery since that's yeah. probably most appropriate for this audience, the, the CS world. You know, I, I would start simple and, and small. What I mean okay. by that is uh, what I typically do is uh, after the initial session of, you know, promoting, explaining the approach, I'll say, okay, next time we meet, uh, before the next time we meet, everyone just ask at least two of these questions on at least two customer calls and then come back mm -hmm. and talk about what you learned. Did it, did it feel like new news or mm -hmm. old news? Did it, and how did it feel asking the question? Yeah. And so I would just say, if you're a, a chief customer officer, CSVP, anybody, director, just take a couple of the questions uh, and, or, or give that homework to folks. And it's also interesting to see what questions they select. And then in, in a, I've had people literally talk about how they jumped on a call right after talking to me and asked a question and got an insight. So it doesn't, there's no barrier to entry to doing it. I, one thing I would say is don't overthink it. You don't have right. to have a detailed plan for how you're going to use the insights. It's, it's important to flex the muscles and exercise the muscles of asking bolder, more disruptive questions, especially the ones that seem uncomfortable at first. Because that's yeah. what I usually learn is people yeah. ain't asking that competitor question enough <laughs> because no. they're not comfortable. Well, and you know, that that's that's fair. And I, I also think, you know, some cultures, if you think about it in terms of global CS, some cultures are more comfortable with being direct. If you work with customers in New York, go for it. If you work <laughs> with customers in France, maybe you have to soften a little bit. You can still ask that same question. But you might have to say, hey, some of our customers who are in this situation experience X, Y, and Z. Do you also experience X, Y, and Z? So it's not so direct and it gives them a little bit of an out. Um, so there's there's softening techniques that I think 
people can use if um, culturally such a direct question is not a good fit or, you know, if you're new to asking very direct questions and you feel like it would be more comfortable for you to soften it, do that. But I would challenge you to ask a question, even if you feel uncomfortable with it and find out what happens when you do that. Because what you'll find is that people are expert at their businesses and they like talking about what they're expert at. And I, very well said. answer your questions <laughs> no, I, more than it, you think. <laughs> that's very well, I completely agree. Very well said. Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to ask you our last question. This is something we ask all of our guests and it's a little different for you because I I realize you focus mostly on marketing, but what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success today and why? And I realize um, because of your focus, it may not be about specifically customer success, but maybe let us know what you're seeing in terms of the intersection between marketing and customer success. Yeah, actually, actually, I do have some thoughts about customer success okay, based on you know some fairly intense um, work over a fairly short period of time, and that okay. is, it's something you did touch on before about the recognition by CS leaders, especially that they they cannot just be in the business of checking boxes, and that yeah. they absolutely have to live up to the term customer success, right. which I love. I always say if, if customer success had a tagline, it would be, hey, customer success, our, our name is our mission. Um, <laughs> I and, love that. <laughs> and because you have to you have to go up the value chain with you your do. discovery. So that but related to that, the good news I've seen is I think companies are more committed to transparency. Yeah. Uh, again, because everyone's gonna find out everything eventually. So I think right. vendors are willing to be more transparent and customers are willing to be more forthcoming and transparent. And mm-hmm. I love that because I think, I mean, it's, it's hand in hand with what I talk about. It is yeah. um, uh, th- this whole notion of authenticity and transparency, the more sunlight or sunshine that you can, you know, put on something it's um, you know, the better off everyone's going to be because there's just, I, I really hope that, and I, I hate to bring it up, but this, the the scandal around the company called Theranos, mm. which was making yeah. this supposed blood revolutionary blood testing technique, it's really making people question the whole you know fake it till you make it approach. And I I really I get it. I mean I've worked with plenty of startups and right. talk aspirationally about what their capabilities are, but it's never been you know this criminal thing that criminal enterprise <laughs> or whatever yeah so i think that the trend is going in the right direction with transparency that's my big comment i think so too and i, I think you know i think it's actually been one of the positive outcomes of covid too to be candid i i think pe- during covid people got a lot more real um that's partly because of just the physicality of how we had to work during covid we're all sitting in our home. <laughs> some of us have offices. Some of us have a room that has the water heater in it right. and um, to hide from our children. Some of us have like, cats walking I, across the keyboard. There's cats, there's dogs, there's delivery people, there's noise. I mean, it is very real. It, it's still very real because we're still getting through this. And so I think that changed the game a bit in terms of authenticity, because people now are, I think, more comfortable with authenticity. There's a, um, 
less of a need to feel like you have to sort of hide. Um, although some people still like to hide behind their Zoom filters and stuff. Um, I will say I discovered Zoom lipstick the other day, which I love. Um, but the rest of the Zoom stuff, I've kind of been is like, that a whatever. Thing? That is a thing. If you go oh on Zoom God. and you go into the place where you can set your background and you go on studio effects, you can create eyebrows, facial hair, and lipstick for yourself. Well, uh, hot tip. I, I need. <laughs> I, uh, that's very, you don't need lipstick. Probably. I don't need lipstick. I could use some follicles on top of my head. So maybe. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. Check. I wasn't looking for that. So that might be in there. I don't know. I was, I was mostly concerned with my lipstick, which I put on at the beginning of the day and I hate to worry about later. Um, and then, and, and I was trying to match it to my red background wall. It's very vain. Um, But yeah, no, there's, there's all that stuff. But beside all of that, um, that you can do with Zoom, I I think it's gotten more real. And I love that. I actually think that's one of my, the best things that has come out of COVID, which is kind of looking for that silver lining in a terrible situation. We're all humans. We're all humans. I think that's a fantastic insight. That's a great insight. I agree with you. (laughs) It is. Well, Bob, I so appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. I am sure our audience got a lot of great ideas from this episode. And I know you have a webinar with Strike Deck on this topic coming up. Can you let everyone know the details on that and how also if they want to get in touch with you, how should they connect with you? Yeah, so my my website is chieflisteningofficers.com. Okay. I'm also a big LinkedIn guy. So if you just go to LinkedIn and type in Bob London, I'm right there. Um, and yes, I'm very excited about the webinar coming up courtesy of Medallia um, on September 30th. That's 10 a.m. Pacific time. And you will find the link to register. By the way, it's absolutely free. And you'll find the link to register in the description uh, for this podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much, Bob. I also want to thank our sponsors, Medallia and the Success League. To learn more about Medallia's customer success solution, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow StrikeDeck on LinkedIn or at StrikeDeck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. 